Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This week, a wrap-up from Summit, including news about Jira Ops, the Big Data Center Project, and Next Generation Projects in Jira. My name is Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today are the ever-ebulent Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Burrell. Matthew, Brenda, hi. Hello. Nice to see you, Ryan. That sounded so ebulent. So, Summit Europe, a good time had by all. According to I mean, reports. Not by us. Well, no, it was had by... Not by us. It was had by everyone who went to the Adaptivist Party, which... Sure, yeah. We did not attend, so it wasn't as good as it could have been. Mm-hmm. It, but a success all around. And the biggest news that came out of Summit would have to be that Atlassian acquired Ops Genie, and they're going to launch Jira Ops. I, I looked at it, I spoke with some of our people who were there, some people who really know the ops world. I think we'll, we'll know more once more people have had a chance to use it. I mean, it's, it's in a beta phase right now with just a very few advanced users. We don't really know much about what it looks like. I mean, one can venture to guess that it will be a fair amount of monitoring and, you know, paging and making sure that people are aware of you know, the, the status of everything. Um, but it's it's still pretty early to say what this is actually going to look like for its users. Yeah, like if this was four or five years ago, it feels it feels more like this would have just been an add-on. We're just going to integrate, you know, Jira with Ops Genie, and as those notifications go, it will post to some tickets. Uh, but here in 2018, it is Jira Ops an application. It's its own standalone thing. Uh, with presumably its own standalone license. It'll be added as an application, just like Jira Software, Jira Service Desk. Um, so it's a polyp growing on the, the body of Jira. It's a- what I'm particularly excited about is the, the opportunity, and this is where I wonder where they're going to go with this, because Status Page is its own separate thing as well. But integration between Ops Genie and Status Page, like really buffing that up where, for instance... Uh, you start getting alerts and it automatically changes the status and status page and is automatically creating these tickets. Like that, that appears to be the future. And that's really exciting. Like that, that not only makes it uh, a better world for the sysadmin, but a better world for the users. And I, I think they've got some great potential there. I think they've, they've really uh, made a smart call here. Is there anything in, in op, Jira ops that you can't automate with script runner that you've seen? Uh, that is a, a good question. It's a little loaded. Um, it's a little bit of a loaded well, question, but it's a challenging question because I have not worked with Ops Genie. Uh, when I was doing more sysadmin type stuff, it was Nagios. So um, you know, we could get those uh, Nagios notifications to come in and bring in the tickets. Honestly, um, I'm trying to think. Like Script Runner probably wouldn't have been part of my workflow for that. Uh, it, but but maybe. Um, I could have kicked off some automations based on script runners, some notifications to different people. Um, but in terms of like having notifications trigger things in Jira, um, 
I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing you can do. I think this going to make it much more polished. Um, hmm. I was I was doing something similar by taking our notifications and feeding them into a WordPress site to update stuff and notify users. Um, so yeah, I I feel like it just makes everybody's lives better. Tighter integration is better. Um, it does feel more like an add-on than a standalone application to me. But we'll see where where they go with it. It'll probably. I mean, I just have a nagging suspicion. It's the model is going to turn into kind of what JSD did. Same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It is its own flavor, but it's it plus the features. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, it is cloud only. Are you using Jira Ops? Are you are you in the beta? We want to hear from you. Come on, send us an email. I dare you. Send us an email at what email address? Yeah, you can. Well, thanks for asking, Brenda. You can email us at learn at adaptivist.com. We'd like to learn what you think. Next on our slate, more big news out of Summit. Data. You know, it, it, feels, it feels worth pausing here, Ryan, just so our, our listeners know that our slate is actually a Trello board. Um, I don't know if we've ever mentioned that, but we, we actually use Trello to manage this podcast. Um, just like we often manage product features or uh, our one-to-ones between managers and employees and all kinds of different things. Uh, we, it's, it's, uh, as Ryan likes to put it, we're sipping our own champagne. It's delicious. I really, I actually have given over most of my life to Trello at this point. <laughs> the data center readiness model was rolled out at Summit and Adaptivist is very proud to say that of the 70 some odd vendors offering data center ready apps at rollout, we offered 10 of those. Yeah. And to be clear, it wasn't 70 vendors. So it's 70 apps uh, by a number of vendors. But yeah, we have 10 out of the 70. And this is actually something we worked really closely with Atlassian on to help define and uh, sort of set that bar for what is data center ready. Um, It was a collaborative effort. There were some other partners involved, but it was, you know, figuring out the testing involved and what hurdles you had to pass. And then we worked with uh, a couple of other Atlassian partners to help them get their apps ready. Indeed. And this is huge news for JIRA administrators um, of data center installations in particular, because before, you know, you're working in data center, can I do this add-on? Well, maybe, maybe not. Why don't you install it and find out? It's sort of a toss-up of whether or not something's going to operate as expected in data center. So being able to have the peace of mind, you know, before you could go, well, is it data center compatible? As far as we know, yeah, but there was nothing that that said with absolute certainty, yes, this will work with your data center instance. As consultants, the challenge is, you know, some uh, someone comes to us and goes, can we do this thing? And we go, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and now, yeah, that's the technical term, by yeah, the way. The um, that we we all make that sound. Um, mm-hmm. We are trained as, as, as consultants how to make that sound. Um, now we can go... You know, yes, we're certain it's been through a rigorous technical review. Um, Atlassian has signed off on this working with data center or it's no, this one's not data center ready. It might work, but we're, we're going to, you know, potentially say what we're going to tell you is we can't guarantee it's going to work for you. You know, one can typically say, yeah, it's a Jira server add on. Chances are good, but not guaranteed. Now we have that that guarantee and the comfort level that comes along with being able to say, yes, we're certain that this is going to work for you. And the reason that this was really necessary, um, server and data center had a huge overlap in code when data center launched. Uh, the main thing data center was pulling out was that clustering, that ability to 
have multiple nodes and to share the cache between them. So for instance, your Jira search results are all cached. We need to make sure that's kept synchronized across them. You know, not too big a deal. A uh, little bit of a little bit of challenges there, but for the add-ons, exactly the same. But data centers, we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, there's greater and greater divergence between server and data center. Data center itself is becoming more advanced uh, in terms of providing higher levels of availability and the way that it does that. And so, as Brenda's saying, like you can generally assume a server app is going to work on data center. But when they don't, they really don't. And I think we're going to see more and more of that uh, as the divergence between server and data center grows. And that's what the data center readiness program is here for. Because when you've got data center, you're partly doing it because you want that high availability. You need that stability. And you don't want to introduce an app and that's going to bog things down or crash your system. It's really interesting to me to see the way that cloud and data center have diverged so far from the server mm-hmm. routes. And that actually brings us to our next article from the Atlassian blog, which is the delegated admin for crowd data center. Um, it appears to me that, that the differences are becoming so radical that, and this is kind of a killer feature, actually. <laughs> um, in the same way that a project administrator can add remove people from um project roles in their project, this actually gives subunits of a business the way to give delegated user control to their admins. This is huge. It, it really is. If you're on a data center installation, you probably have 5,000 or more users. Um, I, I personally have been in situations where it's like, I'm part of a team of 20 some odd people or however many. And it's like, can I just please, I can't, I can't even see my group membership on this thing, or please, can you, I have to wait on someone else. And I'm not a person who likes to wait on someone else. I want to do it. And so, yeah, just let me do it. So this is, this is really a big thing. I'm very hopeful that this is something that will transfer over to server as well, um, because I think it's going to be useful for everybody, but I'm certainly happy to see it rolling out to, to big, uh, big enterprise organizations in particular. You can't, so you are, our viewers at home can't see us, but our listeners cannot see Matthew and I laughing when, <laughs> because is it coming to server? Is there even no, going to be no server? Way. What's the, there's yeah, no way. Yeah. Yeah. There's I, no way. I, was, I was indulging this in is, a little wishful thinking. Right? Yeah, no, this is, this is going to be data center only. Uh, specifically, this is for crowd data center, which means it's not something currently in Jira user management or Confluence user management, I would almost guarantee it never will be. This is going to be a crowd only thing. But what's really particularly interesting in this, uh, and we'll link the blog post in the SoundCloud description, go out and take a look at the GIF that they've got at the top of this of how um, easy and quick it is. For those of you who haven't done um, Active Directory administration or identity access management stuff, um, it may look like just, oh, okay, we're, we're adding some people to a group. That's cool. This is this is a BFD. I mean, this is really neat functionality. Crowdsourcing this out um, in Active Directory Microsoft terms, it's adding in functionality similar to uh, uh, Service Manager uh, as part of the System Center Configuration Manager family. This is like Microsoft Service Manager, which gives you a nice web interface and you could delegate permissions. And so, for instance, a department's admin assistant could go and say, hey, we've hired a new person. I'm going to add them into the group for our department. And because they're now in the group for that department, they get all their permissions and they're done. It's done on day one and the admin assistant has done it. We haven't had to get IT involved. There's no, you know, like it's, it's all done. Uh, this is 
hugely powerful, hugely time-saving, and it gives you the ability to architect your permissions in a way that's secure and easy to manage and easy to audit. Um, and to do that with Service Manager, stupid expensive. Uh, so in terms of ROI, I mean, this is, this is a nice feature. Um, it's, it's one of those like small things where you go overlook it, but this is, this is a, this is nice. Oh yeah. The, the gifts are pretty mind blowing. Um, and it really occurs to me that when you look at the three offerings, the, the divergence is very intentional and it's because of it maybe, and I'm speculating here, of course, but maybe it's because of the the size of the businesses that are going to gravitate towards the different products. The small ones really want to gravitate towards cloud. It's less expensive. It, it is, it's different server. You, you don't need you're established. Yeah. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're established. You've got a little heftier budget, right? So you spend a little more. And if you're up to the five thousands and, and above, then you're going to drop the cash on the, the, the Rolls Royce, you know, that said, it is worth noting another announcement from summit this year uh, Atlassian Cloud now has a user limit of 5,000 users. Uh, they've really raised that up, and they're investing a lot in the uh, improved stability of the the architecture and the speed of it. Um, but there have been a lot of cloud announcements lately. I'll say. And two of the big ones that we found in Atlassian Community are next are, are around next-gen projects and what is coming... What, what a, I'm sorry, the two articles that you'll find linked in the SoundCloud are everything you want to know about next-gen projects and what's coming next. And w- what? Wow. <laughs> I remember at Summit speaking with someone in the experience team, and they said to me, how would you get rid of schemes? And I was like, well, I'd take them out behind the barn and tell them the <laughs> rabbits were there. And, you know, but, um, but seriously, I thought there's not a great way to to do that if you want to have consistent behaviors across the platform. It's just right now, that's not how it's set up. And they've done that with next-gen projects. But I think that they're going to end up turning the ship back around because they say in one of these articles, we're going to figure out a way to standardize across projects. Well, thanks for recreating schemes. Our viewers at home cannot see my look of skepticism. Um, so I've been I've been digging deep on this for the last two weeks. Uh, so my team, I'm in learning and development at Adaptivist, and I perhaps foolishly decided let's try to write a Jira cloud training. Let's let's make that for the community. Um, we thought that it it would be as easy as taking an existing training and just updating the the labs and the screenshots and the the demos and everything for cloud. And it turns out. You know, we've said on this podcast, there's greater and greater divergence between server and cloud, and I did not understand how big that divergence was. Um, it was it was shocking as we got into it uh, with Jira software. So we've talked in the past about agility projects. Uh, agility projects, next-gen project, exact same thing. Uh, in Atlassian, as they do in the Atlassian way, we've rebranded again. They're called NextGen. My guess is they will change the name. NextGen, interestingly, was a beta term until earlier this week, and now it is codified as a NextGen. Um, they'll probably change the name again eventually. Will it be um, Picard Project? The Picard Project. So here's what's interesting with NextGen projects as we've been digging into them. As Ryan says, no schemes. I mean, it is just a, you create a project and that's it. The interface for the project is a software board, but it's not called software. It's just a board. Um, you don't really d- get into the issue a whole lot. You, the issue detail view, you click on it, the card, and it pops up. But the, the, 
board is your interface for engaging with the, the, the project. That's it. Trello. Um, it is like, it is so similar to Trello. Um, but you have a bit more detail on the cards, uh, on the issues that you can pop up. Um, you can do a little bit of automation, uh, as things transition, not a whole lot. Um, there's, there's, I mean, one of the reasons you go to Jira instead of Trello is for more advanced reporting at this time, there's not really reporting available, um, in next gen projects, but here's the big thing with next gen projects. They are changing constantly. And on this podcast, we typically try to bring you the cloud news. Here's, here's what's changed in cloud. Here's what's going on in the last two weeks. And Ryan, you know, you found this, um, it's a, it's actually not a release notes. It's in a blog. You found this this thing in the, in the Atlassian blog of here's what's new in cloud this week, and they just like they add a star next to the new, new things, and so we look through that. Turns out that's only like ten percent of the cloud story. So my team's been digging in, and we have found blog posts and posts on Atlassian community and posts in developers and all of these different sources for cloud. There are literally changes multiple times a day, most days rolling out. I mean, it is blowing our minds and we're really struggling to write training as a result because literally we will start writing something about a feature and the next day it will be gone and the next day it will be back. But now it has a new toggle where it's hidden by default and you have to know where to go in and make it visible. And then the next day that toggle has gone and it's visible. And then it's, it's just, it's Brenda. Oh my God. Brenda, are you as agape as I am? I am indeed. (laughs) It's, it's rough, man. But my brain rough. actually shut down at the prospect. I was just like, I can't. I, you know, I'm I'm listening to this, and it's like, I just, I, I can't. I let's, like, I can't. Head in my hands, tears streaming. Sadness, but, ultimate sad. But to Brenda's point earlier, you know, the, think about the target audience. Um, you know, DC, these large enterprises, they need stability. They they need things. Um, cloud is. I I'm getting the impression. I haven't talked to like cloud product managers or anything. But as we're trying to write the training, we feel super strongly the audience for cloud. These are small teams. They're self-organizing teams. As a user, you log in. You can create a project. You can do stuff yourself. The board lives in the project. In, in Jira Software Server, boards sort of are their own thing. You know, it's a, it's a, you, they're a separate thing. It's all about the project. And it's all about the team. And it's super quick and easy to get into. Self-organizing teams with no admin that feels like what cloud is targeted at. Um, it's just a different audience. And I feel like Atlassian, I think they're getting a lot of good data back. As I'm looking at it, where we have been able to rationalize, maybe this is Stockholm syndrome. I don't know, but it feels like it feels like we're getting a feel for the audience. We're going, I see why they're doing it this way. I get it. I, I get why they're doing this. Um, and it's just it. It's like it, it feels like a departure from the normal cycle when those changes are happening so often, and that's mm-hmm. cool actually because they're moving super fast and they're breaking stuff, right? And they're and, learning, and they're and learning, they're just changing, improving, yeah, optimizing the of agile methodologies. Yeah, they're practicing break what they it, preach. Break it, iterate. Yeah, fail as old as time. <laughs> uh, it's. But it, it has been, you know, in terms of like, how do we document? How do we train? Um, it became very clear, like the approach you take for writing server training, that does not work. The, the type of training you produce, that does not work. Um, and we've looked at things like interface mapping and whatnot. Even that, the interface is just changing so rapidly. Uh, but 
we'll have something in a couple of weeks. We're, we're going to, you know, probably two weeks from tomorrow or today, depending on when this podcast, if you're listening to this podcast from the past, maybe it's done. Hmm. Find out somewhere. <laughs> uh, like find out on our blog. <laughs> yeah, go to the adaptivist <laughs> blog or learn.adaptivist.com. Um, so leaving the clouds behind, uh, our, our fiscal year at Adaptivist is wrapping up, which means it's time for us to start thinking about objectives for the next year. And Elastin's got an interesting blog on uh, teamwork and building objectives. They used an acronym that was new to me, uh, as so many acronyms are when it comes to human resource stuff. OKRs, or Objectives and Key Results. Yeah, that, that sounds, like, uh, sounds like HR terms to me. It's certainly uh, in the milieu of reviews and such, uh, and people get anxiety around these. Hmm. Um, I know I certainly do, and I shouldn't because these things, these plans, these objectives, these are help to help me grow, to grow as a person, as an employee, and be a little bit more useful than just errant podcast host. Uh, at the same time, there's always that reflex. You know, you hear the the acronym, and now we start talking about this thing, and it's a little bit like, Ugh. But in this article, they talk about the mistakes that you can avoid to make these feel like um, a little bit more easy to quantify, comfortable to adapt to. Um, and the first one that they suggest is don't confuse your theme with your objective. And this is kind of a carried through throughout. They've, they've got like a list of eight mistakes that people make with setting up their objectives and several of them are confusing this with this other thing, you know? So I think what a lot of us do with objectives, cause it's easy to understand is we just make a checklist or we just set like a financial goal or a, a percent goal or uh, one of my favorite ones that we've, we've got a new guy uh, to adapt new as in he started early this year, uh, but he's helping us figure out objectives better. He was like, let me, let me give you a terrible objective, write five blog posts for the blog. Huh. Like that's, that's just a checklist. This is a task, you know? So it's, it's helpful to think about objectives instead of themes and key results instead of tasks. And, um, you know, uh, making sure we've got something that's a little bit aspirational, but is, is broad and can be interpreted. And I particularly like that they've got a nice playbook here in Confluence for uh, helping provide some, some guidance on this, a nice way that you can approach writing these things down and collaborating on them, like doing it as a team. So one thing I want to add to all this is that one of the mistakes listed in the article is um, it, it talks about scoring things by gut feel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a manager of a team that's new to me this year. I've been a supervisor in the past, but at Ad- Adaptivist, that's only been since, you know, late February, early March. Um, I have a gut feel of where my team is. Um, and, and I'm not shy about telling you what that is. I think I have the best team in all of Adaptivist, um, as far as consulting goes for certain. Um, but that doesn't translate well into objectives. You know, you're already the best. Why, why would we need objectives? Um, so it's, that doesn't help them with their growth. It doesn't help my team grow. Um, but I am getting ready to face the, you know, it's the end of our year. I'm going to be doing evaluations and I'm going to need something to help me justify okay, I'm going to give you this score versus that score. And that's one of, in my opinion, one of the biggest challenges around 
objectives and performance evaluation in general is it's really hard to do this any other way than gut feel. And so <clears throat> this, this blog post talks about, you know, if you, if you aren't real sure on your score on the, O, the objective, if you've done a good job with your key results, you score those and then you have your O. So, you know, is, are your KRs good? All right. Your O is met. Um, I, I like things that are quantifiable. I like numbers. I'm sure this is a shock to our listeners. Um, <sighs> but it's easier for me and it's easier for my team if we've got the key results that we're looking for that, you know, here's the scale, here's how you're going to be scored. Yeah. That being I said, that- I read through that point and I'm like, oh, look, another scale to keep in mind. And then my brain kind of shut down again. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the point is, the point is, you know, this is a methodology that is going to allow you to quantify those scores because they've given you these, these key results, mm-hmm. you know, on a scale of zero to one, did you do the thing? Yeah. How far into the yeah. thing did you get? Because that, that's valid. You know, it's not a, you did or you didn't. It's well, I, I did this much toward this. And I like that that scale takes that into consideration. So um, it, it was interesting. It was an interesting way to approach it that I, I admit I've not considered before, but I think is, is pretty important. One of the things I'm looking forward to this year is we're going to be using JIRA for our objective management for the upcoming fiscal year. And we've designed this, this sort of interesting approach where you've got two tickets for each person, uh, one with their uh, objectives and the one with their um, I don't remember what the terminology was even, but sort of like their development needs. It's their, the key things for their job. So you might say like, uh, you know, for a technical writer where they have to have good written communication skills and we evaluate, you know, are they a beginner? Are they intermediate? Are they expert? And then we create a list of well, what are they going to do to help improve that? You know, what's their goal? Do we want to get them to expert? What specific things do you do to get to expert? And that's all great. Those are like very specific, measurable objectives. People can have clear expectations. But the other ticket is more like a, you know, it could be a team objective. It could be, here's what we're going to achieve for the year. And that's what we might assess um, salaries or bonuses or anything that, you know, if you get a remuneration change tied to your scores, because that's often how these scores are used at businesses. And I really like that this sort of dual approach we can track it in Jira. We can create tickets. We can mark them off as we complete things. We can comment and collaborate on it. Everybody can see it. Like Only you can see your ticket and your manager. So it's not like everybody can see it. We're using issue security to manage that. We're using Script Runner to build all these things out automatically and, and calculate scores up and everything. But it, it also gives us this dual system where we can say, you know, we can set a professional development goal. The goal is to get better. You know, and that's it. And we're not going to tie that to your salary, you know, your raise or anything, because th- otherwise you end up setting targets that are really easy to achieve. We want to set aspirational goals. We want to help you get better. But we do have business objectives too. And I, I don't know. I, I love this idea of using Jira to manage this. It's just another creative way that we can use this tool and, you know, add this stuff together and provide visibility and, and communicate about it. Because Ryan, you know, to your point of, of these things kind of causing us some, some stress, I think a lot of it is, is unclear expectations and a lack of communication. And if we can just clear those up and talk about it regularly, I think that really helps reduce the stress and the fear about it. Not having any management experience, because why would you put me in charge? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you've got kids. Yeah, well, but that's not management. That's dictatorship. Why are you setting objectives for your kids, Ryan? You've got to help them be better. I, 
Uh, yeah, they're OKRs. I'm, I'm are. looking forward, Matthew, to uh, Baby Stubblefield, <laughs> who is due to arrive in, in five, five days, four days, any second now. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm waiting to see, you know, in about three years, you know, Matthew's going to have a performance evaluation plan for Baby Stubblefield. And, and we'll be evaluating on an annual basis. And I, I just, I had this little moment where I, I envisioned all of this and, and I know you guys can't see my face right now, but it is spectacular. <laughs> you know, but at that rudimentary level, I, I just used to use Trello for it. So, you know, you got to meet people where they are. And that's perfect. That is a good it's idea. Absolutely speaking, of, speaking of which, there's a chance that Matthew won't be joining us for a while because there is a baby coming, but we don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, Any we don't want to say when he won't be with us because we don't know when the, we thought that the baby might hatch today during the recording. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to an end of this edition of Adaptivist Live. We always appreciate you listening. If you've got anything to let us know about or want to be a guest, email us at learn at adaptivist.com. So thank you all for your time today. For Matthew Stubblefield and Brenda Burrell, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. Ryan's gasp may have just killed Brenda's internet. It was too much. I was clutching my pearls. <laughs>